Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show with me, Lewis McParlin. Nîmes versus Lorient this weekend may be called off due to a COVID outbreak in the visitors' camp, but we still have nine other games to sink our teeth into, three of which will be previewed on today's podcast. Lyon will travel to the home of their arch-rivals to face off against Saint-Étienne in the 122nd Derby du Rhône. Lagon won when these teams last met in November, so Claude Puel and his men will be hoping for revenge in this one. We will also take a look at Angers later as they travel to face Bordeaux, as well as Lyon as they host Nice. But to start off, we're going to focus on a game played last night involving Lyon, and that was their 1-0 win over André Villas-Boas' Marseille side. Simon Banza with the goal in the end, but a rather toothless performance from Marseille didn't really help themselves, as they now sit in sixths with Lyon, just one point behind them and one place. In seventh, I have Eric Devin and Thomas Wiseman with me tonight. And Eric, earlier in in some other podcasts, we said that Marseille had to concentrate on one competition this year, either the league or Europe. Right now, with the results they've had in Europe, or had in Europe, and the result they had last night, it seems as if they're not really focusing on either tournament right now. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, whether it's a lack of, motivation, whether it's physical exhaustion, whether there's some rift internally. Um, Marseille are in deep, deep trouble. I mean, we haven't seen them sinking this low since the, the reign of Ellie Bop. I mean, you know, they've they've had their, their ups and downs in recent seasons, but they've at least generally been in Europe and even provided some, some good moments vis-a-vis that, since that 2018 Europa League final. Um, so to see them struggle when they've invested so heavily in their playing squad uh, this year is... Uh, you know, vis-a-vis salaries at least, uh, is is really worrying. And it, I, I think that it's, you know, I, I think it's, to me, uh, without having any inside knowledge of the situation, it, I, I think it has to come down to, um, you know, a frustration on the part of the players with, with the club sort of hitting the glass ceiling. I mean, um, I think, you know, Frank McCourt has had an, uh, an all-too-healthy dose of reality in terms of the financial realities of getting into the Champions League. Um, given what he's come up against in in PSG and Leon on the on the financial front, but also uh, in terms of the coaching acumen of the likes of Christophe Galtier and Julien Stefan, and of course Monaco's financial might as well. You know, it's very very hard at this point to see Marseille rounding back into form and finishing above any of those any of those five. And should the Coupe de France uh, not be won by one of them, that would leave Marseille out of European football this year. Um, a, a none too pleasing conclusion to uh, their season and likely to Andre Villas-Boas's time with the club. Um, also should mention that Florian Tovan and Jordan Amabi, two of their key players, are out of contract in the summer. So um, they were uh, reportedly told by... Any any player who was out of contract this summer was uh, told by uh, club president Jacques-Henri Ayrault on Sunday to speak to either him or sporting director Pablo Longoria to advise them as to what their situation would be so they could be, uh, their contract could be either extended or they could be sold uh, by the end of the month. So, um, you know, Aro is frustrated with the player's motivation and drive. Um, who knows what else, what else is going on there? But yes, worrying times indeed uh, in the south of France. Mm. 
you know, in this game coming up against, even though Lance are a team that have played extremely well this season and are obviously quite a historical team in France generally, they're still a team that were playing Ligue 2 football last season. But, you know, judging by the performances, if you didn't know who was playing who, you would have said that Lance were the team that have been in Ligue 1 for ages and did so well in Ligue 1 last season. Yeah, well, I think, you know, like I said, you know, I think Lance have a couple things uh, that a lot of promoted or recently promoted sides don't have the luxury of. Uh, number one, that's a consistent tactical system. They've played, uh, I'm pretty sure, every match, a 3-4-1-2. There may have been one or two exceptions to that. Um, they've got, uh, I guess, three things. They also have the luxury of uh, veteran players who, uh, you know, even if they haven't played in the league for a long time, they they do know um, they are of, of the requisite quality to make an impact there. Um, I'm looking specifically at Gao Kakuta and Seiko Fofana. Um, I'd probably add Jonathan Grady to that mix as well. He's uh, He's been really solid this season as well in defense. Uh, Jean-Louis Leca, you know, again, I think he's someone that's sort of flattered to deceive, um, but he's probably a league average keeper. I think that's something that not every uh, promoted side has had access to. They also have a decent squad. I mean, they're able to rotate, um, you know, if, if players... Um, if players get hurt or if there's a, a lot of, or if there's a bit of COVID outbreak like there was earlier in the season. Um, and, and yeah, I think that Lens, uh have a sustainable um, plan put in pl- place. Uh, this team under Frank Ice knows what it wants to do. Um, it can play a really gung-ho style because it has the, de- it, the team has the depth to rotate. Um, you know, there's a, there's a clear backup in every position and, and that, that allows them to, uh, continue to improve and continue to grow without having to worry about exhaustion, which, again, as I said, you know, Marseille had played the Trophée des Champions on the back of those two league matches to start the year, so, uh, you know, four matches in 11 days is, is quite the undertaking for for the host in this match. But, again, I think we have to look at um, Lens having this fighting spirit and, and being well-organized and having a level of depth uh, that we are not accustomed to seeing in promoted sides. I think that there's been a real level of ambition and I think that dates back to their, their surprise sacking to Philippe Montagnier um, just over a year ago. The team were in second place, uh, looking set to cruise to promotion um, and then to change the manager at that late juncture. And juncture showed um, that, that the club's hierarchy really believe in what Heiss wants to do. And I think that's been borne out this season. Um, you know, they're not going to challenge for Europe, but I think I, I'd slot them in, in alongside the likes of, uh, of an Angers, of a Montpellier, teams that are well-established in Ligue 1 as being solidly mid-table, and I'd be surprised if they had any any worry about relegation uh, coming into the season. A, a few weeks ago, um, when we had Philip Bargiel on the podcast, he was talking about French teams, and he's French himself, obviously, and he, he was talking about how sometimes in football, whether it's in Europe or, or in the league, French teams are sometimes a little bit naive in how they go about things and, you know, they maybe don't prepare for the long haul and that's why sometimes you have some teams that go fantastic in the first three months of the season and then they tail off towards the end and players start getting tired and you've not got as big a squad as you may want. But you look at Lance's team and even the bench, there were players that could have come off the bench and, and still fit in and, and done extremely well. You, you know, you've got Isiaga Silla, uh, left wing back, left back, who could have came on, did well. Arnaud Calimwendo came off the bench, 
definitely should have scored, but has impressed in other matches. Ignatius Ganago is a, is a name regular to Ligue 1, who's done very well this season, who's done very well in previous seasons and could still turn out a very good player for Lance. Thomas Wiseman, what have you made of, of Lance this season? They have to have been probably the most impressive promoted side compared to Lorient, who currently prop up Ligue 1. Yeah, I was about to mention, actually, I think in terms of promoted sides, we haven't really seen this good of a, a side come up for a good few seasons now. I'm thinking back probably to maybe when Angers got promoted or as, as soon as maybe not Monaco because they weren't really that much of a surprise. But um, what really stands out with Lance is the actual, I think the the tactical innovation we've seen from, from Franquet that we don't usually see in league, and especially for promoted sides that come up and sort of play a, a, a sort of style and system that that does mean that they they end up struggling towards um, when it comes to the late, later stages, um, which is which is which is fair in in some cases. But it's been really interesting to see how um, Hayes has, has propelled some of these players who were, you know, they they weren't in good form at their clubs and they were sort of out of favour. Prime example is Gal Kakuta, is, who is, you know, in the form of his life, really. Mm. Um, and he's been phenomenal for them so far this season, even though he did miss a, a penalty a week or so back, I think it was on the weekend. Um, but he's just been for, he's been the, the main catalyst for that team and just phenomenal. Um, and what and wherever he's done on the pitch, really, such a smart player, um, really clever with his with his movement in between the lines and his, and his passing. Um, yeah, so I've just been so impressed by Lance, and they definitely deserve where they are on the table now. Um, and like Eric said, I don't see any um, issues with them. Any any problems they should face, you know, this season, and and they've definitely have a strong foundation now to to continue, especially with the, like the depth we've uh, we've mentioned. Gil Kakuta infuriates me because he was, you know, he's he's a name known throughout European football. He came through at Chelsea, played well at uh, Amiens a few years ago, uh, came again to Amiens last season, and just couldn't really hit those same heights. You know, that could be blamed on Luca Elsner, could be blamed on the Amiens team as a as an entirety. But then you see him play in this Lance team, this good Lance team that work for each other, and you can just see the quality that he does have. And, you know, sometimes to get the best out of individuals, you have to have good individuals around him. And I think that's something we've definitely seen with Gal Kuta. You know, Gal Kuta, this season, in some games, he has been unplayable. Um, and it's, it's just kind of a compliment to the Lons team as a whole that he's kind of driving them forward and that attacking three is playing so well um, at the moment, even though he did miss a penalty a, a few weeks ago. I just I just want to say to that too, Lewis, I, th- I think it's, it's um, you know, oof, okay, now I, I might grind some gears with this comment, but that's what we're about. Um, I, I kind of feel like he might be like a poor man's version of Memphis Depay in this, in this way, in that, you know, a lot of what Memphis Depay's success at Leon has been about has been about him being freed of having a a role in which he he's asked to track back, do a lot of defending. Now he does do more of that this season under Rudy Garcia, but I think you know he's had success by being given that free role um, behind the forwards, and I think that that's borne itself out in, in a way that's really paid dividends for him, and that's why he's shown so much brighter, if you will, in Leon than he had at Manchester United because he. 
Uh, he wasn't asked to be the man. Uh, he was asked to sort of produce on demand. Uh, whereas here, you know, uh, Kakuda can influence matches at the, at the drop of a hat, and I think that that's something that um, Ice recognizes and is able to to build a system around him to say, okay, well, maybe he'll be, you know, sort of in and out of the match for 70 minutes, but then, uh, you know, when he does pop up with an assist or a goal, um, you know, that's enough to turn the match, given how solid we can be defensively and how hardworking everybody else can be around him. I think that's a testament to his talent and a testament to um, tactical analysis of Ais in this in case. Hmm. Uh, a, a word more just on Marseille before we move on and preview some of the other games uh, in the podcast. Thomas Wiseman, Eric was saying earlier that, you know, Marseille have got a couple of players going on a contract at the end of the season. Um, and, you know, some transfers have been made, but they're out of Europe. They're not doing fantastic in the league. What do you think this is building to? Is this building to, does something have to budge before Marseille kind of become, come back on top? Has there got to be a, a overhaul of the squad, a, a new manager, new people at, at the top of the club? Where do you think this is building to at the moment? I think we just sort of discussed it um, before the pod, but in terms of the the recruitment that's happened at Marseille over the last season or so, probably it's it looks to be in the right direction that they're heading towards. There's no <laughs> there's no longer any Strokeman signings on massive wages and and Mitroglou's that are coming to the club. You know, despite the perhaps the the signings themselves haven't had a, a huge impact on the squad so far. But if you look at the players like Pap Gay, who was in League 2 for a few seasons, who's very, 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 very good, and he's transitioned okay to the league, and he hasn't been phenomenal, sensational, um, but it's definitely a, a solid start from him. Um, so when it comes to the sort of where the team goes, I think it's the the we can see one one sort of level of that system. The recruitment looks like it's it's on the way. I'm not sure what Eric, what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I as I as I as I alluded to, I think that you know there was some there was a bit of a ruck, some ruction before before the season started with uh, the approach that the club were taking vis-a-vis their personnel strategy that um, and and Denise Bourgeois was being forced out, and that was uh, the cause of much chagrin. I think it was a lot of the reason why Andre Villas-Boas was unsure about staying in the summer. But I think that on paper, if we look at what Pablo Longoria has done. Um, the types, okay, again, I, I would say that outside of gay, I don't really think that most of his signs have worked out per se, mm-hmm. but let's look at what they are on paper. I, I, I think that, you know, signing Strobin when you've already got a full midfield, you know, at the time they also, they also had Luis Gustavo, uh, and Morgan Sanson, um, Maxime Lopez. He didn't really make sense. Um, but so who's he adding? Uh, a box to box player in gay, uh, Young on a free transfer, um, wages probably are not astronomical coming from League Deux. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mikhail Cuisance uh, on loan with an option to buy from Bayern Munich, uh, promising young French talent. Um, we definitely know that uh, young players coming on loan uh, to France have done fairly well. Hi, Moise Ken, um, in recent <laughs> seasons. Hi, Bernardo Silva. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a strategy which I think. Um, more clubs ought to avail themselves of you know, Islam Slimani, not a young player, but I think that um, he impressed last season uh, coming in on loan to Monaco from Leicester. Um, Leo Bellardi, again, you know, hasn't really worked out, neither has Cuisance, um, but having a younger third defender 
um, so you're not scrounging about for hoping hoping that Luca Perron matures or forcing Hiroki Sakai to play in a back three. Um, you've got a third center back uh, that that can that can play that role. And even even the moves they made in the winter window here, um, the likely to be signing of uh, Milik from Napoli. I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name. Um, but a recognized striker to, um, improve upon Dario Benedetto, who's been, you know, let's, let's face it, uh, less than his best this season. Uh, also Polarola, right? A player who, you know, I guess had fallen out of favor in Italy, but again, an attack minded right back, he gives that dynamism, that thrust that they could get from playing Bunasar on that right flank, say against a weaker opponent. Um, and really overloading that flank, um, playing outside of Florian Tovan and stretching the pitch in, in that regard. Uh, that's not something that Hiroki Sakai, for all his gifts, can do. So again, I, I think we have to credit Longoria for the ideas, for the profiles of these players that he's bringing in. Yes, they are correct. Um, have they worked out? No. And I think, you know, what I might say is, well, I think that this idea of looking abroad, even if Cuisance is French, um, you know, might be part of the problem. Um, if we look at some of the players that have moved in these positions in, in recent years, uh, or in recent seasons in Liga, um, we might say, well, okay, why, why is the player being brought in? Uh, you know, okay, let's, let's see. Uh, you know, if you make 10 million from selling SAR, why not turn around and spend 6 million on Santons? A mess. I, I think he cost, he cost them three coming from Lens the season before, three and a half. It, it was far from an exorbitant sum. I mean, maybe his value is more than more than that, but I think that, you know, if we look at the types of signs that have worked out the best for them, um, and I know, you know, aside from the the inconsistency of Paye, I think that their most solid, most consistent performers um, in the you know Frank McCourt uh, players that have, uh, players that have been signed in the Frank McCourt era, um, that is, it's been well maybe Stephen Donda fits in there too, but um, it's been. French talent that has yeah. some track record in Liga, mm -hmm. uh, namely Valentin Rangier and Morgan Sanson. I think those have been um, their two most consistent performers. Even if you know midfielders who can both get stuck in and get forward aren't necessarily you know the most eye-catching of of, of uh, players. But if I knew I had to lose Amavi, I knew I had to lose Tovan on freeze this summer, and I'm going to try to rebuild that team. Um, I'm going to do it around, well, there's Buba Camera as well, but I'm going to do it around Buba Camera and those two. That's my midfield three. Whether I play them as a two and a one or, or a one and a two, uh, it, it remains up to be the players I can put around them. But, you know, you've got that trio of players is, is who I'm going to build that team around. And I think that um, in, you know, trying to be more exotic and trying to, you know, look look abroad, I mean, that's... You know, it's not it's not something that I think is is going to continue to augur well. There's so much good young French talent, um, or or talent playing in France. The Marseille's continued need to look abroad, I think, is also, um, you know, something that's problematic. I mean, we can look at say, for example, or players with Lyon experience. I mean, look at some of Lyon's recent moves, right? We we look at uh, Tino Cadaware, who'd done well in Ligue 2. Again, uh, you know, it's not Lyon, but it's he understands the physicality and the pace of the game in France. Or Leon also bringing Carl Tokokambi back in from Villarreal. He'd done well in Angers. He understands uh, the dynamism mm. um, that is football in France. And I think that Marseille, in 
in seeking to bring in players. I mean, this is this is you'll get this from managers time and again. You, we've we've seen it in recent months from Pochettino, from Kovac, managers who have experience at the very top level, and they say we're surprised at the physicality at the pace of Ligue 1. And I think that that's something that a lot of these players, particularly if they're looked at as being more attacking or creative types, aren't used to, and that's where they struggle. Yeah, I think we've said it. It's, it's kind of been a recurring theme when we talk about Marseille and who they should sign over the past couple of years. Even before I was on the podcast, I remember listening to times when, you know, Marcus Taram was recommended and Carl Togolkambi was recommended when they were both playing for Gangon Pononger respectively, but it was, never went through. They never, the transfers never went through and, and it didn't even seem like Marseille were interested. And obviously we know them two players have gone on to, to have, have good careers. And, and if Marseille had signed them, things would have been much different, I say. Uh, okay. Two seconds. Just click something from move on to Lance Nice. Um, <clears throat> okay. Fantastic. Let's move on to the first preview of the night. And it is a game that Lons are involved in. They currently sit 7th in Ligue 1 and they'll be facing off against Nice, who are currently languishing in 14th. We are now 9 games past the sacking of Patrick Vieira following the defeat to Leverkusen in the Europa League. Just one win in that time for the new stand-in manager, Adrian Ursea, that came over Nîmes, who haven't been fantastic this season either, currently sitting in 18th. Ursea has been an assistant at the club for a number of years, but this is his first managerial role, in a sense, since 2005, when I believe he was managing in Switzerland. Eric Devin, are we seeing any positive changes since Ursea has been announced as the manager, at least for the rest of the season? No. <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be blunt, no. Not at all. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think that Vieira had... Oh gosh! I mean, this is this is hard to parse, right? He definitely did things wrong, um, but at the same time, I think that if we're judging him on, I mean, where where were this team? They were in fifth when Donch got hurt, and I said it then. I'll say it. I'll say it again now. His importance to that team can't be understated. Um, but they'd had you know injuries and and other issues with. Uh, with, with COVID, uh, also Casper Dolberg with him getting his house broken into, I'm sure that would have upset him as well. Um, but you had injuries to Atal, uh, you know, who was being talked about as a 30 million, million euro player. You had injuries to Dolberg. Um, clearly his effectiveness is nowhere near, near what it was last season. And Jeff and I had lead who's been, who's been solid, who's been impressive. Um, you know, coming off an injury that takes players, you know, if we look at, likes of, well, unless you're Memphis, it usually takes players a year to get back up to that level. Um, you know, I mean, now that Fakir did his, did his ACL in uh, 2015 and really wasn't back up to his best until uh, the 2017-2018 season, for example. So I think that, you know, we have to look at the extenuating circumstances here. Um, you know, I also think, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the club... In, in changing sporting directors of all, and, and changing the level of ambition with Ineos, uh, you know, have made some mistakes. Uh, Stanley and Soki, for example, don't think he's up to it. Um, looks looks to be um, a wasted, you know, a wasted uh, bit of money from um, from PSG. 
So I, I think that, you know, by and large, it, I, I don't think the problem lay per se in the manager. I, I don't, I think that uh, it's definitely fair to say that Vieira made some strange tactical choices, but if he was hoping, you know, yes, I can run this, this system with the back three, uh, protecting Donch with more speedy uh, center backs around him, likes of uh, Daniliuch and uh, Andy Pelmard, for example, uh, you know, that looked to be a relatively good strategy and maybe, uh, you know, the attacking part of things would come together. But, you know, experience has been lacking in this team. It's it's mm-hmm. also, you know, having someone like a, a Schneiderlin or even a Pierre-Lise Malou, um, you know, someone who's played in Liga for half a decade. Um, you don't have much experience in that team. I mean, who's going to be your most experienced player in, in, in a typical 11 right now? Uh, Ronnie Lopes, who, you know, hasn't really played in France for the past couple of seasons. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a team that's bereft of experience in the division. And I just alluded to with my comments on Marseille. I think that that's really something that's underrated um, in Liga is experience in the division, knowing the division, knowing how, how tooth and nail matches can be. So, yeah, I think that's what I have to take away from it is that um, I'm not saying Vieira was 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 the future of with um, with Nice, but I do think that there are extenuating circumstances there uh, should have given him a slightly longer leash. Thomas, at the moment, Nice are operating with a very young squad. You know, their starting 11 against Bordeaux last week was 22.7 years old. I don't know officially, but I assume that's the youngest, or at least in the youngest three of Liga in this season on average. Obviously, they they have had the injuries to some players, Donch as well, that Eric mentioned there. Are they trying to turn themselves into uh, Monaco Monaco. (laughs) of like like four years ago? Or is this like an accident that's happened? Yeah, I think I'm not sure who mentioned it pre- recently, but it seems like they've they've gone for this, um, whether they sort of like it or not, with some of the injuries they've had. But the I think they might have the youngest one in the division, um, probably close to Monaco. But looking at like you said, looking at the last three games, they're averaging about age of about 23, and the last two games, the most experienced player, well, the oldest player in their squad has been Hassan Kamara at left wing back. He's only 26. Oh, look, oh, it's outfield player probably because Benitez will be 27, 28. Um, but I think as, uh, we, we mentioned how big a, a hit that the Donch injury was going to be to them and and they just don't have enough league on Naus, like Eric mentioned, to, to really um, to really beat teams um, since since they have this, this squad there and and it is a concern, and I, I don't see, I can't really think of anybody to to bring in signings wise that would, would help that at the moment. But it's something that they they should be looking to address in this in this window if they can. If you look at a lot of these players on paper, you can't go right, about and yeah, say, right. you know, yeah, I mean, I know they're I know they're under players, yeah, yeah. Like, they are underperforming at the moment, but William Saliba, we were all screaming his name years ago. Kefren Turam has been impressed at the time. Yusuf Atal is, in his position, potentially one of the best players in the league when he's on his day. And obviously, Jeffrey Adelaide, I'm a big fan of. Thomas, I know you're a big fan of mm-hmm. as well. So, Eric, they're obviously doing something right, because it's not as if they've got a rotten squad. It's just, it's not all working at the moment, is it? No. Um, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a really frustrating 
like again, the Monaco light model you mentioned there is um, is is right. Like it makes sense, mm-hmm. um, but again, the execution of it, um, it just yeah, it doesn't work. Um, and I think that that's um, that's a you know if you've got this churn of ownership, or this churn of sporting directors, um, you know that's what's going to undo things, and that's that's what's been the problem. So, Ursaya, I can't imagine him being the permanent manager, let's say, in two or three years' time. I think there will be someone who will take over from him at the end of the season, or maybe even earlier than that, if things don't start improving. You've got to look at the position that the club is, you know, just geographically, in Nice, gorgeous place to live, um, the finance that's now behind them at Enios, and, you know, the, the name, the history that the club does have, Thomas. They've, they've got to have some sort of pulling power then, for managers that are, are maybe looking for a new project, surely. I, they're, they're not going to be the club that's going about in the bargain bin looking for anyone to take them on, cough, cough, and not. <laughs> no, I don't think they'll be making any any decisions like like bringing in Dominic. Um But I think they are an attractive proposition, but perhaps when you look at what's happened over the last year or so, it hasn't been a... Uh, a sort of smooth riding for it was for Vieira um, despite the downfalls he had with the squad on occasions um, but I don't know I think there's been I think a lot of people have said oh why don't we they just bring back Lucien Favre um, and I would love to see him back in league but I just don't think he's he'll be willing to step down from Dortmund I'm, I'm not sure about that no, I, th- I think he's looking for another kind of upward step from Dortmund, or at least a sideways step at the moment. Mm. Um, if I had to say a name to you, Thomas, I don't know if this is out there rail. Josh Govanek. <laughs> <laughs> okay, th- this this guy who I've written down is my one suggestion. Obviously, incredible career. Uh, won a World Cup, won the Champions League a couple of times, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm just trying to think, could this be a good... Like a good uh, project for him, Xavi Hernandez. I mean, didn't get didn't get the Barcelona, or we don't know what happened. He he didn't end. He didn't end up Barcelona. Well, I thought he'd give him more experience as opposed to managing in the Middle East. You know, it's going to give him with uh, tougher players, a young squad. If he does want to get the Barcelona job at some point, surely at some point Barcelona are going to move to a bit of a younger squad. They're starting to do that at the moment. Suarez moving out, Messi going to be moving out in the next few years. You know. I mean, that, that's my suggestion. Maybe you've got one better. I don't know. I don't really have a. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll have a better. I think Josh Van Govac is probably a better one, to be honest. Um, or more realistic, I'd say. <laughs> I just think because he's got a big, he's got a big name, but he's got no lot of experience in a top division. So I don't think a bloody mm. a team outside of Barcelona are going to offer him a job. Obviously, you've got the romanticism with the Barcelona job, but I don't think Inter Milan or anyone like that would hand him the job because he doesn't have that experience. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was mulling over it this afternoon, and that's the name that I pulled out of the hat. Shoot me for it, maybe so. Uh, okay, Thomas, for this game, Nice travelling away to Lons. Do you have a, do you have a score prediction for me for this one? I'm going to say uh, a three-one Lance win. Okay, interesting. Eric, what about you? Go two one, yeah. It, it's really hard to see past Lens. Um, mm. You know, they've every time I've watched them this season, they've really impressed. Um, it's probably seven or eight matches now. You know, I think about 
um, their opening day play, um, their win, uh, you know, their win against PSG, the way they played against Lyon, uh, despite being uh, defeated uh, recently. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty comprehensive, comprehensively impressive um, uh, season so far for the Song Aor. So yeah. I think I'm going to agree in that kind of realm. I'm going to go 2-0 for Lawrence to bring home the three points in this one. The next game we're going to preview is a massive one in the, in the French calendar. The derby between Lyon and Saint-Étienne. Eric, Lyon were on a fantastic run before last week's game against Metz. But it, just, it didn't work out. You know, they, they conceded a goal late on. How badly do you think that could affect their confidence and their mentality going forward do you think it's the type of result that will knock them off their perch kind of stop that momentum or does the team have the experience the quality to kind of just go through it you know it's just one defeat they were playing fantastic before that they can keep it going especially against a team San Etienne sitting 16th in the league and ravaged by COVID uh, which I think is the most important thing in looking at this match I mean the, the amount of the first team players that were absent from from Santiago and their loss to Strasbourg at the weekend uh, really tells the story. They're expected to to hopefully have Timothy Kowalczyk back uh, for this match, but that's it. There's no, you know, there's no one waiting in the wings to come in and, and be able to play these matches uh, for Lever uh, going forward and until those players are recovered from COVID. Uh, more than that, too, I think that you know the loss to Mess, I think, probably is down to a bit of over rotation on the part of of Rudy Garcia. I've said this on the other show. I'll say it again here. Uh, Mattia Desiglio, bring him on to seal up a game. He's not good enough to start in Liga. I'm sorry. I know he's got, you know, a myriad of caps for Italy, experience with Juventus. Um, he, you know, again, that adjustment. He's not, he's not ready to play in Liga. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, if you start Corne there um, and, uh, oh, Oh, shucks. Someone else came off the bench that was a regular starter as well because Kakare started. Oh, Kakare started ahead of Awar, right? So if you're missing a goal, having a player is, you know, Kakare is a lovely player. Don't get me wrong. But I think if you want someone who can change a game in the attacking third and you're going to say out of that mid, out of your options in midfield, you know, those three, um, Guimaraes uh, and Awar, it's, it's going to have to be Awar. Um, you know, his not having come on until, uh, until later in the match. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think that that was, you know, perhaps 67th, 68th minute those guys came on. That was a bit of hubris on Rudy Garcia's part and wanting to rotate his side so heavily. So I think that if you play that first choice 11, which includes Alwar, which includes Cornet at left back, um, uh, you know, I, I think you get a different result. So, um, and also... Uh, I mean, this might be a little bit debatable, but I think uh, Anthony Lopez has to get that ball when he comes off his line against Lea Seca. Um, you know, he is definitely a, a keeper, f- you know, prone to rush of blood to the head, as it were. And I think that that, uh, that certainly bit him a little bit um, in this match, um, much as it had in that draw against Brest uh, at the end of uh, 2020. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, who was that against a few weeks ago when he was, again, running right out of his box, just trying to play as another defender? Yeah, Brest, that, that game. That really, and that and the thing is, that proved, proved pivotal then. They only picked up the point then. And, of course, in that last game against Mets, they, uh, they 
lost 1-0 and it kind of ends that good run of form that they had been building up. Um, Eric, something that's kind of been waning a bit more in the last few weeks is the goals that they're conceding. You know, they conceded one against Metz, conceded two against Rennes, two against Lons. Obviously, Rennes and Lons are both good teams, but they're not getting those clean, clean sheets that they were maybe getting at other points in the season. Do you think that's something to be worried about or against a team like San Etienne again, who are going to have a very weak team, will that not really be an issue on Sunday? No, I don't think it's an issue. I think that given their absences, I mean, they had to play Mari Kamara in central offense. You know, you had no Debussy. Uh, you had Crasso, uh, I think, leading the line. I have to look at the, the lineups here. Um, but yeah, it was a barely recognizable Sante team. And the fact that they were able to keep Strasbourg, who have been in decent form, um, to, yeah, I mean, I've never, you know, I'm someone who watches Liga. I've never heard of, uh, this Gabard guy. I mean, I, you know, it's it's you know, I know that he has played younger players this season. Thinking about uh, Alpha Sissoko, I'm in Mufek, um, uh, Duath as well. So, uh, so he has played younger players when, when teams are fit. He has had a many to develop these players as a result of veterans being so off. But um, the characters that can help in this match, you know, Buanga, Hamuma, Debushi. Uh, Kolasicak, um, those veteran players um, who make a difference weren't there. Um, that midfield as well. I mean, Kamara, Zaidu Yusuf, uh, Ivan Neu. Um, yeah, it was like I said, a barely recognizable team. I, I don't, I don't think that even playing at home um, that Lever have much of a chance in this one. Thomas, at the moment, you know. San Etienne are in a bit of a difficult situation with their squad. Obviously, Eric has, has outlined that and underlined it. Um, but is this still quite a good opportunity then for some of those younger guys to go in and get themselves on the world stage and get known? You know what I mean? Sometimes a door that closes for someone else opens for someone new. You know, Lucas Gurna Duath. What a difficult name to say that is, where there's loads of vowels gone all over the place there. Uh, Guarna Duath played, I believe, full 90 minutes against PSG and was impressive. Eman Mufek came on towards the end of the PSG game yeah. and was impressive as well. Alpha Sizoko, I've sometimes liked a bit of him. Um, even Masson, who's obviously injured at the moment, he's come on and made a name for himself. Obviously, it's been so awful that he's now going to have to miss a couple months of action due to his injury. But it, do, it does show that there are opportunities there to kind of go and prove yourself to the manager that, you know, even though when Debussy comes back, I can stay and I can I can, I can fight for his place. Or when Kolejizak comes back, I can still fight for my place. So who, is there anyone that's stuck out to you at the moment for, you know, of like standing out and really proving themselves in that first team, if you get me? I think Masson, uh, earlier on in the season, was... Was really good for for, um, for Sante, and I haven't actually seen him in a while. But I know that um, Gona Duath has got the seal of approval from um, Tim Keach, so I'll be <laughs> I might be tuning into this game to uh, to have a look at some of these players because you know Sante do they, they do have a very good academy and they do produce a lot of good players. And obviously we have Awashish who who came from PSG as well for um, in the summer. So there there is a lot of um, well, potentially a lot of, of good talented players there, but for this match in particular, I don't I don't see it making up uh, against against a, a strong Leon side. Hmm. So, what, what do you think for a, a score prediction? Then, do you think it could get quite rough 
Thomas think it's a, a, a case of how many Leon score at this moment, it, or or will that defeat against Metz? You know, you're still going up against another professional football team who can take advantage. You know, look at the PSG game. Even though Sanetti ended up the strongest squad, then they still gave them a good game. So could Leon mm. be maybe uh, at the wrong end of some complacency going into this match, Thomas? Perhaps I think it'll be it won't it won't be a I don't think it'll be a whitewash. Um, it'll be it'll be closer than. Maybe some people expect, but I still think Leon would would take it. Maybe maybe a close two one, perhaps. Okay, Eric. Leon have won four of their last five games against Levere. Do you see them making it five and six? Yeah, uh, I'll go three nil. I think this is going to be pretty comprehensive. I think that Leon have done really well in in derbies in the last week. You know, last I don't know twenty years really. I think if you look at their record, it's been pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, so yeah, three 0 for me. So you're trying to tell me that Riyad Budibu isn't going to drive the Sanitian team to a tremendous win? You're, you've got to be lying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have to say I'm going for a Leon win in this one as well to kind of get them back on track. Sometimes when you put a carrot in front of a team, the carrot that Leon have had this season has obviously been the league and title that they are really in, in a good conversation for it this season. I think it just drives players on. And Memphis Depay is a player who can only thrive off that. You know, he, he's someone that if you're going to put something that is really achievable in front of him. He's just going to go get it. He's that type of player. Um, so I think it could be quite a convincing win for, for Leon as well. I'm also going to uh, match that, Eric, and I'll see a 3-0 win. Uh, okay, our final preview of the episode. This is going to be Bordeaux versus Andre, the hosts of Bordeaux, currently sitting in ninth following a 3-0 win last week over Nice. But more on them in just a moment. Andre travel to this game sitting in eighth place and Thomas the fans have got to be quite happy with how the season's gone so far you know Andre's top finish in recent times in Liga and has been ninth and they're currently setting eighth which is a very so it's been a very impressive first half of the season for them hasn't it yeah I think I'd, I mean <laughs> watching all of Andre's performances I don't think we that eighth place is probably reflective of of where we are where we should be in the table maybe a few few places down um but it's no, it's been it's been a fairly um, solid start to the season. Well, started first half of the season, and what's impressed me, especially in the the last game against um, against Paris, was that Angers can and will compete against the the bigger names in in the division. Um, which, especially in the past against Paris, they've just sort of taken a taken a, a, a huge beating against them, um, which hasn't been fun as a, as a supporter to watch, but. Even though we did lose it um, last weekend, the weekend just gone, the the way we set up was much more positive, much higher line, and we we really harassed PSG and, and didn't sit back and just sort of give them too much respect, um, and it it almost got us. It, we should have really got a point out of it, but um, you know it's it's really nice to see, and even with I think we talked earlier about you know an experience. Um, being something you need in Liga, and you've got a, a backline at Angers that's got all the experience needed, even though individually the players themselves. I mean, we've got Vincent Monceau at, at right back. He's not he's not great attacking. He's fairly solid defending. Um, so, but but he works in that in the, in the team, and and the sort of it's more of a collective than than any individual uh, star players and. And Andre have 
uh, a good collective and a, and a great manager in, in Moulin who, despite losing, you know, Santa Maria, the most important player, um, to, to Freiburg, and he's not only so well. I mean, I wouldn't really comment on the the players we brought in, but um, he switched the system, which was really well known as the four one four one, or used to play a four three three. That's been there since you know Andre got promoted, and now it's a four two three one. And Angelo Fulgini is is um, really dictating attacking play, and it's it's worked out well for the team. Still, I mean, a few issues defensively and and issues with creating chances in the final third. I think the decision-making isn't there for some of the players, but, um, you know, comfortable position for us. And I think I'm more concerned about the financial um, issues with, with Media Pro that's going on. But uh, as, as far as on the pitch, Angers are a nice and fine. It, yeah, the, the the formation that used to be was it wasn't a four one four one. It was four Santa Maria four one. That's kind of how the <laughs> that's how the standard was. Um, you mentioned some of the PSG games that they've played in, in the past and the results that you have had on uh, you have had against the champions. You may want to cover yours for this six one four nil two one defeat with PSG ending up with ten men three one defeat. 2-1 defeat with PSG ended up with 10 men, 5-0, uh, 5-1 in 2016, yeah, we get it. I'm seeing. Okay, I just really want to hammer it home. So really, as a change of pace, that 1-0, they played well. Um, and and, and Los Dioni, Los Dioni, <sighs> should have had a goal. Should, should have made it 1-1. It was a great save from, from Navas, to be fair. But you're about a yard away from goal. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know like he probably put it the place that 99 other strikers would have put it, just kind of that bottom right corner. But you're a yard away from goal against PSG. Come on, make yourself a bloody hero. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a diamond header. You know, he he he's tried his best to get in. He's good positioning from Navas, but yeah, it was it was a shame. And and I mean, the, the two best teams in the league have been PSG and and Leon. And in both games against that them teams, Angers should have brought a point out of it. Um, so it's really good from the team, and and even players like Lasana Koulibaly, who I never thought I'd see in an Andre shirt again <laughs> um, before the start of this season, has been quietly quite impressive. I mean, he's been he he really takes up the mantle in terms of ha- sort of hassling players and pressing players. I mean, I remember Neymar nutmegged him early on in the game against PSG, and and after that he he sort of handled it quite well, and uh, it's such a surprise to see a player that I thought had been written off and would be sold somewhere else to, to come back into the squad and, and do and do pretty well. Mm, yeah, Lusanica Lovalli in that PSG game made six tackles, which yeah. I'm currently checking right now, I think was the most on the pitch. Don't don't quote me on that, but I'm, I'm just quickly going through each of the players now. I think it was the most uh, of any player on that pitch. Lusanica Lovalli, as I've said before, played in the Scottish Premiership a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, so I saw a lot of him when he was playing at Rangers against Hamilton and whatnot. And, and I always thought he'd he he didn't look he didn't look as like a passable player. I thought he was a player that kind of had a bit of potential that could could go on to make a nice career for himself. And I guess Santa Maria has kind of just been replaced with that double pivot of Koulibaly and Amadou. How's that done that season to kind of make up for the gulf of him? Or would you say it's a bit more complex than that? I think I mean it it, it was Amadou and Koulibaly for this this game because Mangani had pulled I think he pulled his hamstring or something in, in training. But it usually is. It, it was um, Amadou and, and Mangani for, for most of the start of the season. Amadou got injured and then Koulibaly's coming in, really shown that actually he's, he's, he's a really good asset to the, the side. Um, 
I wouldn't play Amadou and Koulibaly in a usual game um, if I had all the options because they're quite. I mean, in terms of in terms of passing wise, they're quite limited. Um, that's where you got Mangani, who, despite him, I think I can't remember how old he is now. He's probably thirty three or something like that. He he still works hard and he's he's, he's such an intelligent player um, to have in that squad, and he just picks out passes that you wouldn't you nobody else really could could do uh, for Angers, but. It's it's much more complicated. I don't think I would have. I don't think Amadou is the the solution to that problem at the moment. Um, but certainly it was a it was an okay okay deal to get over the line. And obviously we've got Sofiane Buffal who who's still out injured, but he's back in training. So that's another another really dangerous play. And I think the issue sometimes with Angers when they attack and when they break is that. They have Fulgini, who is a, a really great ball carrier and and really quite good at, at spotting players, making quick runs and, and interchanging between his teammates. But the players around him so far haven't really kept up to speed with what he's doing on the pitch. And in games where him and Buffalo's played, I'm thinking probably Ren a, a few months back, it was so dangerous having two of the sort of similar players that could take you on and and do a quick trick here or a quick a quick interchange and um and win lots of lots of fouls which they which they both do so when they're all fit um it could be quite interesting for Andre. Uh, let's move on to Bordeaux now. Eric Bordeaux have had quite a nice wee run of form recently. You know, only one defeat in their last five. They beat Nice three 0 at the weekend, two one beat Lorient uh, the week before, had a two 0 win over Strasbourg just a few weeks ago. They did have that slip up against uh, that Rams team that are that are starting to get quite good again. But they've been a nice little uh, run. Are, are, are we starting to see the start of Gassé ball? I've copyrighted that, by the way. That's, that's, um, this is my notes. Is Gassé ball? So I just want that to be noted uh, for for future history makers. I, I I'd like to think so, um, but the answer is no. I I think that. Uh, you know, you, you, yes, you can only beat what's in front of you, but Nice and, and Lorient are probably the two, two worst teams in the league right now, um, given Neem win at the weekend. Um, yeah, so let's let's hold our tongues on offering too, too stern of an amount of praise uh, uh, for Bordeaux. I mean, they, there are some bright spots. I think that um, Sam Calou returning to fitness looks... Um, What's the promising uh, thing? He he was a player who who had impressed last season to some extent. Uh, hadn't really gotten started uh, in the current campaign. Uh, Yassine Adley seems to have taken up some of the uh, creative mantle. Um, and then you know, there's also been a, a rumor now that uh, Jean-Michel Serri uh, could be on his way to Bordeaux. Uh, I think that that's something that's going to gather momentum in terms of uh, a, uh, a rumor, especially with... Um, the news that uh, Otavio is out for the season, um, unfortunately. So I, I think that you know, you know, there there might be more thrust and more creativity from Bordeaux in the weeks to come. But it's going to be, uh, you know, down to them you know, sort of restructuring their team. Um, Pablo has been sold as well. Um, you know, despite having a, I think a, a largely decent time in Bordeaux. You know, he was called up for Brazil at one point. Um, so yeah, I think it's. I think this remains considerably more of a of a test um, 
I have to admit, I'm probably not going to get up to watch this match um, on a Sunday morning. Uh, but, uh, you know, being that it starts at 7 o'clock in the morning. But um, uh, I do think that um, if Bordeaux can deliver a result against an Angers side who, you know, like themselves have been in, you know, looking sharper um, despite losing to Monaco and PSG um, of in the past month or so, I, I think that that's going to be... Um, something that I can take this, you know, take with a bit more credence. I mean, that put them, oh, I mean, let's see, you know, pending Marseille's results against um, Marseille and um, Lance's results, they could go as high as six with that result, uh, which is, you know, not nothing uh, given, I think, you know, how how they've done. I mean, that defense continues to be as mean as ever, but I, I do think that, yeah, they just don't have, um, without Hatem Bedarfa, they don't have the creative impetus. They don't have... Uh, a natural goal scorer, um, you know, if you if you put someone in that team who gets you ten or a dozen goals, I think it'd be even even that that low amount. I think you'd really be um, looking at a different story for Bordeaux. But I mean, who's their leading scorer? Udin? I, I I'm not even sure. Basic Thomas Basic, that you know, a central midfielder has four goals, and so does Udin. Um, you know, more than halfway through the season, that's just um, that's just not enough. Um, um, there's a lot of attacking players on this team, but I don't think any any one of them are are convincing effort as a center center forward, and I think that's what the club is paying the price for now. Yeah, someone who's started to score a few more in recent weeks is a uh, Weijo Huang, who's I believe a South Korean player who was was signed uh, twenty nineteen for around about two million pounds. Never really hit the ground running, but he has one, two, three. Four direct goal contributions in his last six games. Um, three goals and an assist. I mean, I don't think he's an actual born killer up front. And maybe is that, that is someone you need to invest in at the moment. But you mentioned someone a bit earlier who I think could be quite a, a big miss for them. And that is Otavio, the Brazilian central defensive midfielder. And I, I've loved Otavio for a few years and I really like watching him play. It's just that no-nonsense centre defensive mid, it just piles through people. I love it. But I didn't realise statistically how dominant he has been in Ligue 1, especially this season. So he has won the fifth most tackles in Ligue 1, uh, the most in the defensive third of the pitch. He's had the third most pressures. He's got to be a really big miss as well, Thomas. I mean, I've been going through mm-hmm. their squad and I can't really find a natural defence defensive midfielder who can just fit in there I might be missing someone who's maybe played at DM before that I didn't know of but they've not really got a natural um, replacement for him in the squad at the moment do they no and I, I think he's been at Bordeaux for three I can't remember a season a good few seasons anyway um, he's hardly missed missed a game for them and he is just missed a consistent um, so it's going to be a big it's a big loss for them because he, he sort of provides the the sort of base um, that that allows somebody like Tomo Basic to to sort of roam forward a little bit more and and contribute to the attack. So it is it is a big loss um, for them, and I think Bordeaux are already sounding out uh, potential replacements, uh, mm. at least temporarily. Eric, if you had to give me one player in the Bordeaux team right now who you think could fit in quite nicely at centre defensive mid, who isn't a defensive mid, who would you be going for? Maybe one of the centre halves. You know, I was I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. Enoch Quateng. Do you think he could play well at DM? I know he's a right back, and I don't think he's ever played at DM or anywhere outside a right back, but I don't know why. It just seems to fit well in my head, him playing at DM. 
They've used Adley to keep a role, um, you know, barring the arrival of Sari, if, if they are going to be stuck with this squad, I say stuck, if they are going to have to use what they have in front of them um, for the rest of the season, it'd be him or, or Mehdi Zirkan, who, um, yeah, yeah. who was, who's injured. He won't be back until probably after, probably after or close to the international break. So I, I think it's going to be, have to be one of those two if, if they're unable to bring anybody in. Just get the Preville to play there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a player whose star has fallen. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. And I'm not even that gutted about it. Uh, okay, j- just to uh, wrap up the podcast, Thomas Wiseman, can you give me a score prediction for Bordeaux against your beloved Angers? Uh, we have a quite good. I don't know actually. Gasse is a norm, a tricky customer. I'm going to say uh, one all draw. Eric Devin. No oh, words out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> uh, Anjay are actually favored to win this, um, so uh, I'll go with the one all Anjay uh, win. Uh, just, just uh, you know, yeah, yeah. That'll 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 be the case. <laughs> Bordeaux have been um, pretty solid at home, but I think that um, you know, given. Given that the the absences that uh, they're dealing with, I think that's a little a little bit of a tall ask. I think I'm going to go for a... Thomas. I'm going to back your team. I'm going to back your team when when you yes. don't. I'm going to say two one on you. Oh, two goals. Here's a, so here's a stat for you guys, uh, courtesy of who scored. Uh, last four league matches, uh, two Angers wins. Uh, sorry, three Angers wins and a scoreless draw at between these two. Uh, in this in this fixture uh, being played in Bordeaux. Really? Being played in Bordeaux? Uh-huh. Well, favours, favours quite well. So so the last match between the two of them in Bordeaux finished 1-0. That man, Stefan Bahokan, getting the goal before that 0-0 draw. Four years ago in 2016, there was a 1-1 draw. Carl took a combi getting the goal uh, a one nil win, rather. Sorry, Carl took a combi getting the goal for Angie. That was a life. That was a a, a life ago, wasn't it, Thomas? <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. I'm just <laughs> the the team we used to have, and we still have two or three players from the starting lineup in our squad, which is quite nice. Um, I am not. Are they Romain Tomas and Ismail Traore? <laughs> no, yeah, Traore actually wasn't playing that game. It was Pavlovich, but uh, it was Tomas, Mangani, and Capel who all start. Basically every game, Andre. No, plays ma- right no, now. Manso. Oh no, Manso was there. Sorry, yeah, Manso was there as well, of course, at right back. Who was and the San- other? <laughs> yeah, who was the other uh, fullback that was that was there for forever and retired because of injuries? Uh, it was uh, Andreu. Andreu, he, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he retired and then um, because of I can't remember what happened in, to what I think he he became one of the youth coaches just instantly. I think he was an under fifteen coach or something like that. So I think he's still at the club somewhere. Would not be surprised if he randomly gets a contract for the next three months or something to play up front. <laughs> it's just it's the kind wow. of stuff that it's kind of stuff that play, that happens at Angie. Uh, <laughs> okay, and on that note, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English, you can get us at the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. You can also find us on Twitter, getting all the abuse at GFFN. That's at GFFN on Twitter. Almost at 200,000 followers. Getting there, by the way. 
note, note that. I mean, I don't do anything for the Twitter, but making moves, making moves. <laughs> uh, I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Eric Devin and, of course, Thomas Wiseman. Once again, thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a lovely week. Bye for now.